Welcome to the Dear Nikki Mama podcast. I'm Ashley. And I'm Martha. And our mission is to connect the past and the present Nikki Mom by celebrating our stories and what our babies have overcome. Whether your NICU journey was 50 years ago or whether you find yourself in the NICU today, we hope that this podcast reminds you that you are not alone. Hello and welcome to episode six of the Dear Nikki Mama podcast. We are so pumped for this episode. And if you are listening to episode five, we had the amazing opportunity to chat with Christy and hear Ava's beautiful NICU journey. Um, and Miss Ava had a kind of intense surgery this week. And so we decided to shift around our episodes a little bit. Yes. And with it, and there's my son. Hold on. Do you want maybe to do the intro? Sure, just... yes. <laughs> Hi, this is Martha. I'm also here. <laughs> Last week for episode five, we had the honor of hearing Christy and Ava's NICU journey. <laughs> we have a special guest. You'll get to meet him soon. And um, this week, Ava had a lot of things going on and had an intense surgery. So we thought it'd be best if we gave the family some time to just be with Ava. And we will reconnect soon. And you will hear the continuation of her story along with her dear friend Taylor's story as well. But this week, we have Michelle and Connor in the studio. Hi and welcome. Thank you. We're so glad you're here. Uh, October is... Down Syndrome Awareness Month, and we wanted to invite Michelle here because Connor has Down Syndrome and has a NICU stay experience, and we thought it would be wonderful to hear her perspective and her journey. And just from talking a little bit beforehand, there's so many different aspects of your story that I think are going to be helpful for people too. Being away from your loved ones, being in a new place, there's so many different new things about your journey that I think are so incredible. So where do you think we should start, Ashley? So, Michelle, let's start with your pregnancy journey and maybe just tell us a little bit about your pregnancy. Was it, we always say quotation normal, but was it normal? Was it high risk? Um, Just kind of maybe share a little bit of your journey to, with your pregnancy. I would say that I erred on the side of easy. Okay. Not even just normal so much. All the things that um, I was expecting that people told me would happen didn't. So I was never morning sick. I never really had weird food cravings or any of the other things that people say they struggle with. I um, I didn't ever really feel him kick until he was older, or it was probably five months. And although after we had our ultrasound, we're doing the ultrasound and I'm watching him basically swimming like an Olympic swimmer and doing <laughs> kick flips off the walls yeah. of my uterus. And I'm going, how can I not feel any of that? But... Um, yeah, it progressed um, really easy and normal. Um, it was my first pregnancy. And so I didn't know what to expect from a lot of it. And so we did a lot of research into the different things. And they talk about all the testings. And we had decided um, not to do any testing. And my sister had kind of spoken with me about it too. And she said, you know, unless it's going to change what you're doing with your pregnancy, I wouldn't bother because she's like, do you want to be stressed out your whole life? I had a sister-in-law who um, had some testing done, and they were just, you know, stressed the whole pregnancy about it. And so I decided I wasn't going to do anything about it. My um, OB down in Indiana was really supportive with that, and kind of the kind of the funny, funny not funny, the very first time I met him, I enjoyed him because he was a very cut-and-dry kind of gentleman and my first visit to see him he was running down the list of things that were not going to happen he's like you can eat fish you're you know nothing's going to go wrong if you do this and your baby's not going to have down syndrome just because you're 35 and so I'm like and it's kind of funny I keep meaning to send him a letter to say by the way (laughs) he did but (laughs) just so you know but um he was really supportive about not doing the testing if we didn't want to um And so we had our 18-week ultrasound, and um, the only marker that cropped up was he had some fluid on his kidneys, but they told us, you know, that's really, really normal for little boys anyway. And that was the only marker that he had, and so we just kind of didn't really think any more about it. Um, When we went back for a follow-up ultrasound at 34 weeks, I think is when I had it, so right before he was actually born, um, the fluid had lessened, so... 
we weren't we weren't too worried about any of the stuff going on and um he came it was let's say night before you were born huh we were putting up the christmas tree and uh we had been walking all over we'd bought the wrong size stand and had to go back to menards and return it came back again and um i put this i had crawled up under the christmas tree to screw it in because my husband was holding it because it ended up being much bigger than we anticipated Mm -hmm. and when i stood up i had this moment of i just peed my pants (sighs) and he laughed he said or your water broke and i went oh I guess that could be what that was. And so we went in. I hadn't had any contractions and um, got there. And they were like, yeah, your water broke. You're dilated. And I guess we're doing this right now. So um, he didn't. The only real complication was he wasn't tolerating when I was trying to push. Um, I went in with all these expectations about what delivery was going to be like. (laughs) And I was like, I'm going to try to do it natural. I'm going to hang out in the tub. And I had back labor. And I was just like, give me the drugs. So, (laughs) and uh, he went from, I was only in labor for about six hours. He he went from, after I got my um, epidural, I went from three centimeters to nine within 20 minutes. Oh my gosh. And then I tried to push and his heart would drop Um, when I would push. And so they were just having me kind of. Yeah, oh. I know. It was so sad. Oh, they just kind of had me hang out for a couple hours. I took a nap on the peanut ball, and then basically they were like, try pushing. If we tell you to stop, you have to stop. I got about half a push, and they told me I had to stop. And then they went and got the doctor, who basically just played catch. So it was, he came right out, and he was a month early. Um, Still weighed six and a half pounds. Um, was a yeah. Oh, oh, those bubbles. are some impressive bubbles. <laughs> Martha and I are very distracted. <laughs> yes. We're listening intently, but yes. we're also staring at this adorable baby, yes. and it's very hard to concentrate. You are very cute. There's huh? some pretty wonderful cheeks going on, yes. a very good cheek situation. And all yes. the red hair. Yeah, the yeah. red hair is so cute. Pretty have you adorable. shown them the dimples? Yeah. Oh, you have dimples? We do have dimples. Hi, <gasps> you can smile. It was the very first thing I noticed about him when they oh, handed him to oh, me really? is the dimples. Cute. And when he came out, the first thing the doctor said was, boy, that is your son to oh. my husband because he looks just like him. Oh, like he's wow. a, like a little mini me clone. Mm-hmm. Cute. And um, yeah, so that was, that was birth, huh? We just kind of. So when you went in after your water had broke, did they talk to you at all about like, you know, because you're not exactly full term, you can expect a NICU stare or were no. they not concerned about they that? They didn't say anything okay. about it. Mm-hmm. Um, the first time we heard the words NICU was um, after his 24-hour tests. Okay. Just to go back a little bit to you mentioned your original OB was in Indiana. Yeah. And then earlier before we started recording, you mentioned you moved mid-pregnancy. Could you talk a little bit about that? We did. We moved at seven months. My husband got a job offer that I didn't want him to take, but it ended up being too good to pass up. So we um, moved up here and I was super stressed about having to find a new Mm -hmm. um, OB and a new hospital. And so I ended up calling... um, someone from my church i'm a member of the church of latter-day saints Mm -hmm. and so i called someone in my ward up here and they told me you know well you just basically pick samford or essentia Mm -hmm. and then they do the rest and so that took some of the stress off yeah yeah when i made the appointment um they're like well who would you like to see and i'm going i don't know who any of them are so just just pick just pick one for me who has time to see me and then i found you know that they don't really see you a whole lot Mm-hmm. was my experience. I saw the doctor twice, but again, I was only up here and pregnant for like six weeks. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. so I didn't have the opportunity to see them much. I saw the nurses otherwise, and uh, it was a different doctor that actually delivered than my mm-hmm. OB anyway. Right. So if he'd shown up the next day, I think it would have been my OB. And before Connor came, you know, during your pregnancy, did did you have any qualms about being away from family? I was at, with a newborn, or I was not as nervous as I think I could have been because my mother, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> my mother has always flown out for my sisters and my brother's sure. children and yeah. um, gone and spent some time with them helping. And we knew that we'd have family that would come up here and help if we needed it. Yeah. Plus, we had the people. 
around here and I've always been pretty much a self-sufficient power through it kind of person sure. anyway much my husband gets a little frustrated with me yeah. but I don't ask for help because I'm like if I can reasonably do this myself I'm just right, going to I'm do sure. it so so I would say it was a little more stressful in my thoughts about it before it actually happened than it was during if that makes sense sure so you mentioned the 24-hour check. I, maybe for some people who aren't familiar what that looks like. But for us, I think our deliveries, uh, our babies went straight to NICU. Straight to. So we've never had a quote-unquote uh, normal period <laughs> after. <laughs> and not that anything about anyone's pregnancy or delivery yeah, is no. normal. Everyone is special and unique. But... Uh, what was that 24 hours like leading up? Did you get to breastfeed? Did you want to breastfeed? Did you? I tried to breastfeed. He was really sleepy. Um, and so as soon as I would get him close to do it, he would just fall asleep. Uh-huh. And I, they kept checking his blood sugar um, because I'd had gestational diabetes. So his very first check was a little low. And after that, he was fine. But then they had to check it all the time because mm-hmm. he'd been low once. Sure. And so... Um, his sugars were good, but he was just sleepy and it wasn't working out very well. But I was trying not to be frustrated with it because, you know, everybody tells you it's really hard. It's harder than you think it would be mm-hmm. to do. So um, so mostly it was a lot of snuggling with him and yeah. um, his dad spent a lot of time snuggling. Yeah, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> and so it was just, you know, it was we were just hanging out and waiting till we could go home basically and then they came and took him for the 24-hour screening at about five in the morning on day two or day one I guess (laughs) but um and so I went and used if you haven't been to Sanford and had delivery there they have a mommy spa yes I've heard about that with the jetted jetted like hot jacuzzi tub and amazing and robes and um so I was like well I'm gonna go use the mommy tub yes since he's being looked at and taken care of Mm -hmm. and I came back from the tub and he wasn't back yet and I'm going well maybe you know it takes a little longer and um so I'd called the nursery where they do the tests to see what was going on I said well he failed his first um screening but we're just going to run it again. And so I didn't really think anything about it because... And the screening is, like, what is The screening? heart screening, I think okay. it's... They check it to um, make sure oxygen's going through like it's supposed to. And um, sure. so he uh, didn't come back right away. And so I got lunch. My husband went back to get um, the car seat. And we called again, and there was some confusion because change of shift happened right. while he was gone. Yeah. And so I'm trying to be understanding because I worked at a hospital in Utah for a little bit. And so I'm going, I'm just, we'll be a little patient. But then as time went on, um, we thought we were going back home the next day because as far as we knew up to that point, we had a typical baby. Mm-hmm. And we were actually kind of surprised that there wasn't any more going on because he was preemie. And uh, so my husband went home to get the car seat. And I called again and was like, where's my baby? And there was this pause on the other end. And then nobody's come and talked to you yet. And I went, no. "No." And they're like, okay, well, someone will be up in a second to talk to you. Oh, my gosh. And so I was just like, okay. So I'm already going, oh. Yeah. Something's wrong because they've had him. They had him for six hours at that point. They'd called to ask if they could give him a bottle since he was away. Six hours? Six hours. Yeah. And... So someone had called to see if it was okay if they fed him a bottle. And I'd said, you know, that's fine. Because um, I wanted him to eat rather than not. Of it course, wasn't, yes. was, I wasn't so set on breastfeeding that I was like, no, don't feed my child. But, right. um, and so a pediatrician came in and I was going to say, I will say ahead of time, we've since talked to Sanford and they've said they're going to correct the chain of events that happened for mm-hmm. us. Okay. But this pediatrician that we'd never seen before came into the room and um, basically said in one sentence, she said, you know, he failed his heart screening, so he's got a hole in his heart, and he's probably going to have to go to the NICU because he's not keeping his oxygen up, and we think he has Down syndrome. And then she walked out of the room. Oh. And I didn't have my husband in the room because he was getting the car seat, so I'm alone. And then he calls, Mm. and I can't even remember what he was calling for, I think to ask if I needed anything else. And Mm. he was like, what's wrong? And so then I had to tell him over the phone three minutes after I found oh, out. No. 
And so then the pediatrician came back in while I'm sobbing. Yeah, <laughs> and and my my slight vindication was that I made her cry too. But <laughs> <laughs> and so she came in to tell me that he was for sure going to have to go to the NICU. And so um I got to see him again for a second. They wheeled him back in before they took him down. Mm-hmm. And so he went to the NICU because his oxygen had been drifting while they're doing the tests. Um and so when we got down there, then I can't remember if it was the same time. I want to say it all kind of yeah. Of course, there is no time. And, no time. and um, it was a different pediatrician that spoke to us and was telling us why he thought that they had, um, that Connor had Down syndrome. And he's describing all these markers to us. And as he's describing them to me, saying, you know, he's got little eyes that are kind of close together and he's got a little mouth and a little nose and I'm going have you met my husband (laughs) because literally every feature they're describing to me are all the things that look like my husband and so I'm like he just looks like his dad I don't know what you're talking about I'm like I'm sure they're probably like part of me was going they're probably wrong even though you know I'm like because to you, your baby is perfect. Yes, he you, is you perfect. You don't see a small mouth. You see your yeah. husband's mouth. You do. Right. You just look like dad, huh? Yeah. All of you looks like dad. Literally still does. <laughs> so um, so I tried to tell myself from then on, I was like, I'm just going to tell myself that, yes, he has Down syndrome so that when it comes back and he doesn't, I'm going to be, yay, because mm-hmm. I love him exactly how he is. Mm-hmm. But I was going to say, I don't think there's any mom that has a kid with Down syndrome or any kind of defect that would change them. But at the same time, they're also never going to tell you that that was what they wanted. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. So, first of all, I think it's incredible that you were able to survive getting the news like that. And I think it it really says something about your resiliency that you you were able to get through Thank that you. time and, and process that information and 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 especially alone. yeah alone yeah. especially when the uh, delivery probably wasn't as holistic or yeah. as as uh, uh, empathetic as it should have been obviously. Um, so what what understanding at that point did you have of what Downs was? Um, I had not a whole lot. I actually had a gentleman that I grew up with at my church when I was young. And he was kind of the only person I really knew directly. But he was, he's very high functioning. And so I think I had a probably more positive thoughts on it than a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. And um, so I always knew him as, you know high-functioning, great, funny guy that mm-hmm. everybody was excited to see when you went to church. Mm-hmm. And um, so I didn't know a whole lot. But then I, you know, did research as I had those days before he came home because he was in the NICU for 22 days. Mm-hmm. And so I did a lot of research on my own. And then I met a lot of people that were very willing to connect us with people that they knew, mm-hmm. um, whether it was siblings. I know. <laughs> it's a fire. Whether it was siblings or friends or just folks that they knew who could tell us stuff. And um, for a lot of it, I was like, a lot of resources were shown to us. There's a great, um, great group that's run by a nurse at uh, Sanford Maternal Fetal Medicine who also has a son with Down syndrome Mm -hmm. called Owens Hope. And so she came in and spoke with us and she was probably the most helpful because she was somebody that actually had it. Otherwise, I felt like... The fact that I was handling it so well made everybody think that I was not handling it as well as I was. And so we had a social worker come in and kind of like prod at me, trying to get me to admit that I was secretly devastated. <laughs> when in reality, you know, I had I had a day where, probably the day where we were supposed to be coming home with them and we didn't, which is, I'm sure, the worst for any NICU mama, yeah. where, you know, we thought we were going to be bringing them home and we weren't. And... <laughs> I know. And so that day was hard. I'm going to get emotional now. That's Um, okay. Where I had to realize all the dreams that I had had for my son um, weren't going to happen the way I thought. Mm -hmm. But um, when I kind of reoriented my head and went, those were my dreams, not his. Mm -hmm. And he's going to do whatever he wants to do. And we had... um, there's this poem called, oh, what is it called? 
It's the Holland poem. I think a lot of people know. And I had probably five different people bring it to me in that week. And they just kept bringing me copies of it. And so I'd go, I'd never heard it before that point. And so um, he's, he's perfect. Mm-hmm. And so he's so much fun and he brings us so much happiness. And mm-hmm. that's kind of how um, any baby's going to be. But mm-hmm. um, a lot of the moms that I've met, with down syndrome and the community is incredible Mm -hmm. and so they're always willing to um help people and help anybody that's coming in sometimes i'm really grateful that i didn't know ahead of time because i didn't have to stress about it Mm -hmm. during my pregnancy and also you hear a lot of um mothers that do find out before who get pressured for what choice they want to make for their child. And Mm -hmm. my OB that I had at Sanford actually kind of treated me like I was a wackadoodle for not doing the testing. Mm -hmm. And I'm going, it's not going to change anything. And it didn't change anything. Mm -hmm. So That's so true. I think it's remarkable that, um, first of all, I think you're remarkable. Mm -hmm. Thank you. (laughs) And it's interesting that I think that they responded to to you that you were not processing something correctly because there is no right or wrong way to feel or experience life but also you met your son where he was at you learned who he was and that was it yeah you loved him that second that millisecond that that happened I think that um you two are both incredible because of the strength that you have and everything that you give to him mm-hmm. but it also just speaks to who what it means to be a mother yeah you just immediately are your child's number one advocate and that's what yep. you were and I um I, we didn't want, and we still don't, the um, Down syndrome to be his life. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of the times we don't even introduce people. When we talk to people, we're like, we'll go through a lot of interactions with folks and, you know, it doesn't come up. And most of the time I don't even think about it mm-hmm. because he's just Connor and he's just the way he is. And so mm-hmm. I don't want it to be our lives. But on the flip side, I want to be able to advocate for mm-hmm. him for everything he needs. Um mm-hmm. And so that's kind of what's got me involved in a lot of support groups more than anything. Mm -hmm. More than a desire for myself, it's a desire for him. Mm -hmm. And there's so many good um, groups in Fargo, especially. We've got the Gigi's Playhouse. I guess I'm wearing their t-shirt, actually. Hashtag Gigi's Playhouse. Yeah, hashtag Gigi's Playhouse Fargo. It's amazing. We just had our um, grand reopening. And I was going to say, if anybody wants to go and visit, they are happy to have volunteers all the time. Oh, cool. And... They have so many great resources, and it's completely free mm. for the families. So that's awesome. So we have um, a little physical therapy class. They call it um, GG Fit Infant. Oh, that we cute. go on Wednesdays, and they have um, folks from pediatric partners that come in and volunteer their time and um, do physical therapy activities with them. They do math and literacy tutoring, and so the outlooks for people with his diagnosis are so much better now. Yeah than they used to be because it's all about the early intervention mm-hmm. and um, just giving them a little head start so that they can be on as equal a footing as they can get. Uh, I'm spinning. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, raspberries. Oh, so sweet. I know for me personally, I follow a few moms on Instagram uh-huh. that I'm sure you've heard of them, like the lucky few. Yep. I've just been amazed at the advocacy that they've brought. And yeah. even though I don't have a child with Down syndrome, I've just learned so much with what they've shared. And do you feel like resources today are significantly better than they would have been 10 years ago? Or? I do for sure. Um, and there's just the knowledge. I was going to say, sometimes I feel like social media is not such a great thing just with a lot of the terrible things that people spread on it but on the flip side it's also wonderful because yeah. I'm like we can take this month and they make available pretty much all the support groups have given us little fact images to post yeah. and so I've got one to post every day and I'm like I'm not normally a Facebook spammer but we'll <laughs> we do will, it we will do it we'll do it for you huh? yeah. so taking a cute picture and yeah. posting it and oh. You are so cute. It makes you're it being easy. really good. You're tolerating it a lot. He's so good. He's such an easy baby. He's, oh, he's just he's super precious. joyful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh and um, a lot of it too is getting information out there because the outlooks are so much better because of medical um, changes. 
can't think of the word I want, and educational as well. And so there's a lot of groups. There's another really good one called Hope Story that's aim is to get um, every OB in the country matched up with a family that actually has a child with Down syndrome so that there is someone to, oh no, (laughs) someone to tell these women as they get their diagnosis what, not what, the facts that the doctors have, which mm-hmm. sometimes are very out of date. Yeah, um, absolutely. So it's not so that they have information from an actual mm-hmm. family mm-hmm. who can hear about, you know, what what these children can expect. And, you know, there's a big range like there is any child. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Connor has been, we've been really blessed that he has not had much in the way of health issues. Um, our NICU stay was because he was having, he wasn't much interested in feeding. Sure. at first and so it was kind of a loop of he wasn't super interested in feeding so he was too tired to feed mm-hmm. and um, <laughs> so he's got a little bit of sleep apnea um which we're hoping he grows out of but his dad has sleep apnea yeah. so <laughs> so he may not um, and when he was born he had a um Oh, are we talking about you? <laughs> he had two holes in his heart and then a valve that was open. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, the smaller hole closed itself pretty quickly. Oh, and the larger one is closing. So um, he's got until he's three for that to happen. But they're pretty confident it will. So, sure. so most of his issues have resolved themselves. And so now we just get to enjoy you without as many doctor's appointments. Yeah. Huh? You know, you can just flirt without it. Oh, yes. (laughs) And this is maybe like a funny question, Michelle, but um, so obviously how the pediatrician told you about your son having the diagnosis of Down syndrome was not. Was not great. Not great. Mm -hmm. If you were a pediatrician and you were the one to deliver the the diagnosis, how would you deliver it? Um, First, I would say congratulations. (laughs) And that your child is perfect. And, you know... Just letting them know, you know, that you're still going to enjoy your child and they're still going to have their ups and downs like Mm -hmm. any child. Um, And I think a lot of the problem that comes is that they think they're going to predict what their life's going to be like, where there are a lot of children with it that do have a much harder time. Um, We had a little friend of his that we met in um, Rochester who has a few more difficulties than he does and there's some that do have to have open heart surgery really early um but then there's ones like connor too that are you know it hasn't affected them as much because there's such a such a range one of the misconceptions is that there's like a spectrum like there is for autism and there's not you just Mm -hmm. you know somebody who was it it was one of the one of the doctors told me, she's like, you know, it's like pregnancy. You either are pregnant or you're not. Mm-hmm. You have Down syndrome or you don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so um, just finding the words and um, to tell parents that, you know, their kid can still do all these things. Yeah, that's so beautiful. And you can't predict it any more than you can predict for a typical child, whether, you know, they're going to be a basketball star or whether maybe they just don't want to do school or, sure. you know, mm-hmm. whatever's going to happen. And so that's, I think, for a lot of folks in the Down syndrome community, that's the frustration is that, you know, you have these doctors telling people that their child's not going to accomplish anything right. or yeah. that they're not going to thrive or they're not going to be healthy. And they don't know that any yeah. more than they do for any other baby. He's agreeing with that. It's like, heck yeah. Yeah, boo on you, doctors. <laughs> boo on you. Bailey, the dog just lifted up her head like, like What? <laughs> It's a good raspberry. So if I'm, you know, understanding, mm-hmm. it's your impression that sometimes it's social stigma and misconception that are informing some of these yes, conversations as opposed is. to actual medical facts. I think so. And, you know, not the facts aren't, I don't want to say they're totally wrong because children with Down syndrome are predisposed to celiac. They're predisposed to... Um, Alzheimer's as they get older, predisposed to other things that they might have more of, like sleep apnea. Um, And 50% of them do have heart defects, but they're not always going to be a serious thing that won't correct itself. So I'm, I'm sure it's very hard to try and, you know, inform a patient that there is risks for things and they could be really bad or they could not be. 
I, I try to have empathy with that pediatrician too because I'm like, how is it to deliver this news? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, so. Which makes you Mother Teresa. <laughs> you could be better. I could I'll be, be a little better for I have you. If my, you want. Honestly, I have my moments now, especially where I look back at it and I realize how traumatic it oh, actually was. Of course. Um, where at the time I was just like, nope, we're just going to soldier on through and we're going to handle this and get done what we need to get done. But um, making a lot of it, when you start a conversation with somebody with, I'm sorry, or, you know, we have bad news, that kind of is going to predispose anybody to Mm -hmm. be like, yeah, kind of like, I mean, the conversation that I had where I called and there was that dread pause and I'm going, I already know there's something bad coming. Right, yeah. And so um, just having them, I think, finding a way to get them a little... um, more educated about delivery or you know knowing yeah. that it's not necessarily terrible news and transparency about what are they doing what does this mean right. what could the you know i think obviously some part of the traumatic part of that for you was you went into a shower and you expect your baby to back and yeah. then six hours passed. then my baby was still not back oh my gosh and the hormones and you've just gone through a huge medical yeah. proceed you know so that that's incredible that um i think it's incredible that you've can look back on it and have so much um grace for the things that may have you know could have gone differently and could have made it a little more peaceful for you and that's kind of the important word for me is grace Mm -hmm. that I try (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah so you've talked a little bit about the idea of advocacy and I wonder how obligated do you feel to that as a, as a mother? Does it feel completely necessary for you to advocate for Connor and other children like him? What do you or assume? does it feel burdensome at all? I It doesn't, but I was afraid that it would. Mm-hmm. And that was part of my hesitancy to join um, a lot of the support groups, sure. which I was told about uh, um, when we got his diagnosis. We had people come in and you know, tell me about different ones I could join. And I found some on Facebook as well. Mm-hmm. I was going, I don't, I don't, at first I didn't really want, um, I didn't want to participate because I didn't want to feel like I had to. And then you see some of these moms who now I think are total rock stars, but at the time yeah. I'm like, I don't want this to be my life where my whole life is talking to people about yeah. this, you know, diagnosis that my son has. But, um, and so I kind of made a little blog, which I haven't made very many religious posts. I haven't religiously posted to it, but every once in a while I'll, I'll do things on there about how, you know, I think sometimes the point of view of someone who's not a picture perfect blogger is probably also good. Absolutely. <laughs> because yes. I'm like, I wear the same sweatpants four days out of the week yes. and maybe I haven't showered in a couple days. Yes. And um, so... And I just post pictures as they are unfiltered because mm-hmm. my kiddo is freaking cute. Yes. So, so. But I also think that's so much more of a universal experience for people uh-huh. than the picture, per- picture yeah. perfect. I, and I would agree. Sure. And so um, as I've come to meet the moms in this group, one of the best ones that I'm in is um, Down Syndrome Diagnosis Network does tons of groups and they split you up by shared experiences. So there will be a group for kids with heart problems or um, they also separate you into six-month birth groups. Yeah. And so everybody in this group that we're in is was born between July and December last year. Sure. So they're all fairly close in um, age, so you have similar experiences. Mm-hmm. And um, so even being in that group, though, when I first joined, I'm seeing some of the kids, like I spoke about, who have... A lot more difficulties than Connor does. And so I would see those children and go, I feel guilty because I'm relieved that my son doesn't have all the same problems that these people do. But at the same time, you see how strong their moms are. And so um, I find it's really easy to find ways to just do it. Mm -hmm. And um, we just had... um, with Gigi's, they just had the yearly um, walk-in fest. We just had it on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And so we did a lot of, um, we did fundraising for that. We had our little team. We were able to, um, I set a goal. I was like, we're going to just try and see if we can get a $1,000. And we did it. So we we're really excited to meet yeah. our goal. And um, especially because that's how they function. It's totally nonprofit. Yeah. And um, 
all through donations in the area. Actually, the Fargo-Moorhead area is so generous. Um, someone had told me that we're technically not large enough to have a permanent Gigi's Playhouse because there's not a big enough market, but the people here are so generous that we have one anyway. That's so cool. Because Fargo is, like, the best. Yeah. I have decided we don't want to leave. Yay. So good. <clears throat> Midwest is best. It is. It yeah. really is. Like, when we when we moved up here, we were like, oh, Fargo. But we love it. It's all <laughs> awesome. it. It is so great. It has a draw, doesn't it? Does. It does. Yes. The planes, they suck you in, and also you're snowed in, so you can't yes, go anywhere. So you can't <laughs> One question I have for you, Michelle, is um, you mentioned you, and I would love for you to, we'll maybe add some resources that okay. you would love in like the show notes for moms. Yes. Okay, great. Uh, I remember you saying that you did some research kind of when you were in the NICU so that you were, you were able mm-hmm. to learn about it. And Martha and I have always talked, like, don't Google. Don't Google anything, yep. you know, because you're going to get everything under the sun. Yep. And I'm sure you saw everything. I did, and I tried Googling. I will, to admit to my shame now that I Googled mild Down syndrome. And I Googled, you know, try to find out, you know, is there ranges? Because he really, I couldn't see it. Sure. And my mom even was like, I don't see it. He doesn't look like a Down syndrome baby to me. And then, you know, as I, he's come to grow and as I've met other kiddos... They almost universally look like their families. Sure. And yeah. so, you know, they've got the shared characteristics, some, but they all look like their siblings and they yeah. all look like yeah. their parents. And so it's um, it's just kind of a I, – I think some of the stuff that I Googled helped me a little, but for the most part it was just like I tried, I tried not to other than yeah. the little bits that I did. And if my husband caught me looking, he'd be like, put it down. You're yeah. just going to – Good husband. You're just <laughs> gonna stress yourself. He has been the rock. He mm. is so good. I love it. For any mom that gets any diagnosis that isn't what they envision for their baby, it's easy to go on a a tangent in your mind of all the things that could go wrong, all uh-huh. of the things that what ifs. Yeah. How have you as you as a mom, what has been what has helped you to not get to that those scary places? What did you what have you practiced? Um I was gonna say part of it for me helped with a little bit of the education that I did get about Down syndrome and because of course after I found out I was like is it because I drank all that diet coke while I was pregnant is it something I did when Down syndrome happens at conception it's just it just happens Mm -hmm. and it's not caused by anything Mm -hmm. um well there is a form of it that has a genetic component but otherwise it's just you hit the lottery or you didn't Mm -hmm. and um I feel like we've kind of we're double genetic lottery with you because I got a redhead with Down syndrome. Huh? <laughs> His redhead is pretty, yeah, pretty fabulous. We've His got red hair is we've fabulous. got great red hair. Like yes, that. yeah. A lot of it is just reminding myself about the other kids that I've met, or just my experiences with him so far. Um, kind of funny. We've people told me that children with Down syndrome can be stubborn. I'm like, how can babies be stubborn? That's ridiculous. <laughs> but. Um, I spent the first probably four months of his life thinking he couldn't lift his head because when I would put him in tummy time, he wouldn't do it. Mm -hmm. And people would be like, well, does he not tolerate? Does he get upset? I'm like, no, he doesn't cry. He just lays there. And if he wants to look at the other side, he turns his head and looks the other way. And it wasn't until one day that the dog was playing with a toy in front of him. And then he put his head up to watch and was just solid. Like, clearly he Mm -hmm. could do it. (laughs) And he just hadn't. And so I have that experience with him a lot. When he wants to do something, he will. Yeah. And no amount of me stressing out about it is going to make it happen yeah. faster. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, um, I can just give him the little prods that he needs. Like recently, um, when we had his nine months appointment and got the little ages and stages questionnaire to fill out. Right. Yep. That was um, probably the most depressing moment I'd had in the previous nine months because... Uh, as I'm doing the gross motor stuff, I'm like, he's not doing any of this. Mm-hmm. I was a little better with the fine motor because he's always been really good on cognitive stuff and he's really interested in all kinds of things, like how he's super into this microphone right now. Yeah. Um, and so in my head, I was going, man, I wish they had, you know, an adjusted preemie slash down, down syndrome sheet. Another one. Yes. And so I filled it out. And when we went and saw his provider, um, she was like, no, I am super happy with how it looks. He's doing great. Yeah. But... On the flip side, I was like, okay, up until this point, I'd been happy to just let him do what he wanted when he wanted. I'm like, you know what? Now I've kind of got a fire under my bum and yeah. we're going to push a little. Sure. And so um, 
it fortunately kind of timed up with the GG Fit class starting, but now we're doing PT yeah. for him as well. That's so, awesome. And he doesn't like it, but <laughs> we're going to get you there. Huh? So I think with anything, it's balancing your intuition as a mom. Yeah. And you knowing your child with... Um, the advice that you get and so it can be hard especially if you've got a medical professional who fortunately i never had any of them say to me things that i've heard moms say was sure. said to them of, you know your child's not going to thrive they're not going to do this yep um but you just have to kind of be patient with yourself and also forgiving of yourself too mm-hmm. absolutely that's something we talk a lot about and we recently had an event with to um, specialists in maternal mm-hmm. mental health and they talk a lot about self-compassion because yeah. mom, as moms we give space for everyone else in our life and it's and, clear and not yourself right and nothing <laughs> for yourself and it's clear that you give forgiveness and kindness to people who have have said really hurtful things or have made your experience a yeah. little more traumatic but it, you're so right oh, doing that yeah. for yourself is just as important because then you can be there for him yes um, I wonder too a little bit about your NICU stay because on on top of the trauma of how you got the diagnosis and the fact that he was away from you and being whisked away and having the NICU admission and learning about his heart, uh, you then have this NICU experience, which everyone listening understands is is also unbearable for different reasons because you don't get to bring the baby you home. You thought you were bringing your baby home, home. and thought you were going to have them with you. I was going to say, we tried to look at it as a small... Since he was early, we weren't really ready. Yes. Like I had, funny enough, the day before I um, my water broke, I had made a post of, what do people pack in their hospital bags? Because I'm going to pack mine this weekend. Yes, yes. And so, as I can tell any of you expecting moms out there who are listening, if you're going to Sanford, all she needs is your cell phone and a charger. Yeah, they, pretty much. They provide you with literally everything else. Yes. But um, it was made better by the nurses there yeah who clearly loved connor Mm -hmm. because everybody would tell me that he was such a little doll and probably because he was even in the nicu compared to the other babies that were there at the time he was easy so yeah he was just kind of the chill little dude that Mm -hmm. everybody wanted to hang out with and snuggle oh you're a sweet guy i love that i love the nurses who take the time to honor how unique and special your child is or the we had one in particular who would always make sure to tell us that she's like i hunted down a cute outfit for him today because i wanted him to look cute yes so the people that take the special care of our of our little guys and girls while they're in there and can make such a big difference and um how supportive they are too yes and your did your family come and visit because they live across the country they um they offered my um, my mother-in-law, I think, wanted very badly to come right after he mm. was born. But I had to, you know, have kind of an honest conversation yeah. of um, it would not be helpful to me right yeah. now to have you here. And so we held off um, on my mother came the week after he came home from Medicaid. Because I'm like, yeah. then is when I'm going to actually need help. Need it, yeah. Um, but we had um, wonderful people from my church brought us meals literally every day that he was in the NICU. Oh so yeah. our day basically went and they offered at the hospital for us to stay. Yeah. I've got hiccups now. Sorry. <laughs> no. For us to stay with him. And they're like, when you check out of your room, you can just check into his room. And I was really tempted, but I'm yeah. like, you know what? We live blocks from Sanford. Yes. Um, and so I felt very fortunate that we were so close. Cause I know that's not everybody's. Yeah experience and um we actually thought we were bothering them at first oh my gosh i felt the same way because yeah, i was there all, <laughs> all the, the time we yeah. usually got there at about nine in the morning and mm-hmm. the longer he was there it started creeping to a little later in the yes, afternoon yeah. but um we were there in the morning and then we'd go home and we would come back again for bedtime okay and so we were probably there eight nine hours a day mm-hmm. yeah. um my husband's job was really supportive and understanding and he basically ended up with about two weeks off where he also hung out because he's like, I don't think I can work while he's in the NICU. And um, so we thought we were in the way and that we were there too much. And so finally we were like, are we here too often? Are we bothering you guys? And they were like, oh no, 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 no. Mm -hmm. Like we want people here as much as they can be here. So we're just lucky because we can be here all the time. Mm -hmm. And so we were, huh? 
And then I still woke up at two in the morning and checked the little camera yeah. for what my son was doing. <laughs> and if he was awake, I always wanted to go up and snuggle. But... Yes. <sighs> but I told her my husband took away my camera privileges. I could look <laughs> once before bed. Yeah. I, have, and then... I have so many screenshots. Oh, I know. Oh, I know. Too. And they all look the same. Yeah. I have. And at the time, yeah. I was like, these are really different. I'm so sure. Yeah. I, know. I have one that I took. I where he, it looks like he's flipping off the camera. So I thought that was funny and I kept that one. But yeah. Um, could you talk a little bit about what it was like to come home from NICU then? Um, it was, with him being my first, I had no idea what I was doing. I had um, a, my youngest brother, um, I was 10 when he was born. So I'm like, I, and I babysat. So I've had experience with babies and nieces and nephews, but it's totally different when it's your child and there's not the backup of their actual parent being there to take over if you're worried you're messing up. But he came home um, on oxygen and with a pulse oximeter, which is the worst thing ever because they tell you to sleep when the baby sleeps, but when the baby sleeps with a beeping monitor, yes. you really don't get to sleep. Right. And um, fortunately, we ditched that very quickly. But um, just bringing him home and settling into what it was to have a baby at home. And um, I feel like I missed a lot of that initial newborn thing. And that's not something I'm actually necessarily sad about because I'm going, I kind of have looked at it as, you know, we got a little bit of a reprieve. Um, and sometimes I felt guilty about thinking about it that way. But I'm like, no. you know, that let, allowed me, when he came home, I was recovered. I was, you know, healed in body. And I had had a chance to kind of <clears throat> heal in spirit, too. Yeah. So that I could be best mom for for you, huh? Yeah, absolutely. And so he was, and he's always been a really easy baby. Other than having the oxygen on him, which as he got older, we didn't have to have on him all the time. But as I say, it, it, it was... <laughs> pretty easy honestly and um I wanted to breastfeed but by the time he got home from the NICU he was like what is this and what do you want me to do with it so he's always had the bottle so that meant that when my mom came up then a week later the 4 a.m feeding she would just get up and be like go back to sleep so if there's any NICU moms listening or um, moms who have babies with down syndrome what Uh encouragement would you give them oh do you have something to say? <laughs> That's good encouragement, Connor. Good <laughs> That's great. You tell him. <laughs> <laughs> oh. It's like Dakin. He's got really expressive eyebrows. He does. He's always had kind of like the rock eyebrow. Yeah. Going on. Always, like from birth. He's always had a super so expressive sweet. face. I would say to any mom probably, but especially with a mom with Down syndrome, you know, don't be afraid to reach out to mm-hmm. people. I think we always feel like we need to do it ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I'm probably worse than a lot of people, but I think it's just kind of a natural instinct that you want to f- seem like you're fine, mm-hmm. even if you're not. And it's okay to not be fine. Yeah. Because um, you will, when you let people in to help you, then you actually can be yeah. fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and don't google doc yourself to death because it's it's easy to want to do that but i think that you just you know you need to and it's hard to be patient with yourself as you are with other people but i think you need to be yeah this is maybe if i if we had your husband in the room that would be great too but what about encouragement for a dad um it's i would say not to feel like you aren't as important as the mom is I think my husband had kind of a he was trying to sign a paper for me because um I clotted pretty badly after um I had Connor and so I was trying to rest and so he was trying to fill out a paper for me and they wouldn't let him because he wasn't the mother and so I think that kind of made him feel like he wasn't as important to the decisions and you know maybe on paperwork they don't let them but he was my um I'm going to get emotional again. He was my rock because I remember one of the things I first thought was, what if um, he's disappointed because now Connor's not going to be some all-star basketball player. Um, But he was the one that really made me realize that it was going to be fine, that he's our son and that we love him no matter what. And so watching 
watching my husband read stories to Connor in the NICU every night was probably one of the best, best therapies for me. And we had a conversation when we came home from the hospital when I discharged that we we didn't have Connor. And so we had, you know, we had our joint mutual um, emotional moment in the car. And then we kind of both pulled ourselves together and moved on. And um, just... I, I never want dads to feel like they're not important mm-hmm. because they really are. Um, yeah. It's so meaningful. I Well, I can imagine how meaningful it is to be on the same page as your partner. Right. Because everything about the NICU experience can be it's challenging, tra- traumatic, <laughs> and hard, but at least you have your partner with you. Yes. You know? Someone who's going through it with, with you. With you. Yes. Alongside. I'm not, I mean, that's like the whole point of marriage. They're like and saying a bunch of stuff during the ceremony exactly. about like, and it's going to be hard. And also to have a different point of view, but still working towards the same goal. We both wanted the best for Connor, but we were going at it from different ways. And that can be a huge help in getting, you know, yeah. the best for your child. Yeah. That's incredible to think about that you you and your partner have different ways of advocating for Connor. Yeah. And that's awesome. Well, Michelle and Connor, sir, <laughs> it has been an, a total pleasure to have you here. Yeah, I, it was I feel great like, to meet you, ladies. Oh, I, you have so much wisdom, mm-hmm. and and like I mentioned before, grace. I just your whole stance on on where you've been in your journey, I think, is is so beautiful. Being an example is one of the best things I could hope for, really. Yeah, you're the the best example. Well, this thank has you. been so awesome. <laughs> thank you so and much. And Connor is so. Beautiful. So cute. He's I literally such just, a good baby. I was looking at his neck and I was just like, oh, it's so like you could just smooch it. But oh, that yes. would be really weird to do to someone else's face. I get almost nothing done. I get almost nothing done because I just hang out yeah. with my baby. Yeah. Which oh, is that's fun. awesome. That's perfect. Well, we thank you so much, Michelle. Yeah, you're very welcome. You're so wonderful. Um, and we'll make sure in the notes to include the links to the, the groups and the resources okay, that great. you mentioned because mm-hmm. I, I think there's a lot out there for And there for is. Moms. There is so much available, especially in this area. We have a wonderful yeah. um, community of moms that get together and have mom nights and we go out and party and have fun and so there is lots of great great people (laughs) i know right as fun as you get at olive garden at a table yeah (laughs) breadsticks okay that's fun to me all right well thank you so much michelle and we all hope you all have a beautiful and wonderful couple weeks we'll be back in a few weeks with taylor and christy's story if you love this podcast and would like to hear more amazing stories please consider becoming a member of the Dear NICU Mama Patreon page. In addition to special merchandise and early access to content, Patreon members support the mission, programs, and services of Dear NICU Mama. You can find the link on the description of this episode. As always, if you'd like to hear more from Dear NICU Mama, click subscribe. Welcome to the sisterhood.